This is the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, October 14th, and it's week six in the National Football League. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and all our social channels, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We love that feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. Let's begin with Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday. Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli reacted to Legends Weekend and the Jaguars alumni players returning for Baselli's Pro Football Hall of Fame ring ceremony. Tony Baselli and Pete Prisco joining us now. A good afternoon to you both, and how are we feeling today, Pete? Oh, I'm feeling great. I mean, look, the, the team must not be feeling very well, and they spoiled Tony's ring ceremony. I mean, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what kind, of respect, what kind of respect do they show you? They lose to the Texans at home on ring ceremony day? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it wasn't great, but I'll say this: it was still it was still a lot of fun. It was, it was a great day, still. Fans, shod organization. Um, it would have been nice to uh, kind of s- cement the great day with a victory, but that's the way it goes. It was still uh, it was still good. Did you really get a key to the city the other day? <laughs> yeah, on Thursday. On Thursday. <laughs> oh my God! Don't give those to anybody. <laughs> well, you, you don't have one. No, because I am the mayor. I'm the one who should have been giving you the damn key. Just ask him. He'll tell you I'm the real mayor. Whatever. <laughs> so funny. How was the weekend? It, it looked like it was a lot of old players there that you probably hadn't seen in a while. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, – and it, I thought it was, you know, probably one of our better alumni weekends. And uh, it was fun. Fr- Friday night, they had Top Golf. Part of it rented out for us, so we all got together and – hung out and laughed and uh ate some food and and did that um yeah it was the whole weekend was great pete it was a lot of fun to see guys t brack came back for the first time of that forever wow yeah that was good to see see t brack and uh it was just fun i like you know those things are fun when everyone yeah i mean i i i wish i could be a part of something like that because i haven't seen a lot of those guys in years some of them probably still want to smack me but other than that it would be fun (laughs) to be around a lot of them I wonder, Brackis didn't talk to me for like five years. I wonder if he would talk to me now. <laughs> what did you say? Why, oh. why? Why is that? I didn't say anything. Oh, what happened? They, when they got when he got there, they warned him about me. He said. So I said okay, <laughs> and he never wanted to talk to me. <laughs> How about that? It's pretty good. Smart man. Hey Tony, was there anybody from those before we get to the game? Was there anybody uh, from those teams that beside him that maybe the early teams that you hadn't seen in a while that showed up? Um, no, I don't think so. I think he was like, you know, it was a usual cast of characters. I think he was the, uh, the one that was good to see. He hadn't been there for a while. Yeah, that's good. It was fun. Well, sounds like it was a good weekend. It was fun. It was good. It, it was cool. Happy Hour Monday airs 4 to 6 p.m. on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, and the Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Let's continue with the best sound from press conferences or interviews this week, starting with veteran right guard Brandon Sheriff. On Monday, he reviewed the performance of the offense against the Texans. I thought we did some really good things, like Coach uh, Coach said. Uh, we did some really good things, but uh, you know, there's a lot of 
things that we could correct. You know, we left a lot of yards out there, and credit to the Texans. They had a they did a heck of a job of keep, keeping us out of the end zone, and, uh, you know, we just got to be a little bit more detailed in, in our plan. So, Have you ever been a part of a game where the offense picked up that many yards and scored that few points? Um, I mean, I'm sure I have been, yeah. But, I mean, like I said, we left a lot of yards out there, um, so we just got to execute and uh, be a little bit more detailed in what we do. Do you like the way the run game sort of progressed as the season's gone on? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought those guys behind us were doing a heck of a job at you know whether they're hitting the hole hard, you know, bouncing it when they need to bounce it. But they've done a heck of a job for us, and it's a lot of fun to to watch them, you know, burst up the seam or through a hole and just uh, do their job. So they're doing a great job for us. What are your thoughts on some of the young offensive linemen? I mean, you've got young guys on both sides of you, Juwan and Luke Fortner. Yep. I mean, when we asked Juwan about your leadership in the offensive line room, he kind of lit up. Luke's done the same thing. Yep. What has your role been in those guys' development? Uh, I'm just trying to do what I'm, I know I've said this before, like Trent Williams, Corey Lichtersteiger, Sean Laval, Morgan Moses, all those guys did for me pretty much. Uh, if I had a question, you know, as a rookie coming in, you know, you think you're going to get, you know, get not haze, but you know, you have little room to talk. You know what I mean? So I, I just told Luke, you know, if you have a question, ask it. You know what I mean? Ask it. Don't be afraid to ask. There's no stupid question because we all have to be on the same page in order for us to collectively do our job for everybody behind us. So uh, um, I just told. I mean, he's he's going to be a heck of a player, and it's fun to watch him continue to grow each game. Has he taken advantage of that and just throwing questions at you left and right? Uh, no, I mean he's 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 a really smart uh, football player. Um, he's a lot. I mean, he is really smart, so uh, um, he's done a great job, and uh, we're just happy that he's he's there for us. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence Wednesday talked through his decision-making and working on keeping the offense on the field. I mean, I think that's that's something you're you're always – you're never going to be perfect on that. You know, as a quarterback, you're going you're gonna to make some mistakes, but it's what we talked about especially yesterday, and that's kind of my goal just moving forward. And I've always thought about it, but especially now after the last couple games, just – don't make a bad play worse as far as if, if we're not if we didn't get the look we necessarily thought we were gonna have or first couple guys aren't open, you don't make a bad play worse. Throw the ball away, scramble for no gain, a yard or two, whatever it is, and move on to the next play. And, and you know, that's kind of the the lesson to learn. Just you, you relearn these things all the time playing this sport because it's it's uh you know, you think you got something and then you make that that mistake again and you just have to keep going back to um, the little things. So I think for for me it's just um, being a being a great player is yes making all the the routine plays even the great plays but it's also how do I minimize the bad plays and how do I make a bad play maybe I I misread something but it doesn't turn into interception it's just an incompletion you know you throw it away so stuff like that um, I think that's where the great ones that's what they do really well is they they don't make bad plays worse and they really minimize them so. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's there's a fine line, obviously, because we got a lot of we have a lot of really good players that can help us and um, kind of spreading the wealth. One, it helps everyone. You know, everyone's a part of the game plan, but also it keeps the defense on their heels because you have so many different um, weapons and different ways to attack certain parts of the defense. So it's it's important for a lot of different reasons, but obviously. You know, Christian is is a great player, and we got to get him the ball. You've kind of seen how productive he can be, and how much he helps us when he when he gets a lot of touches. So, um, obviously, that's that's important. Any great player you have, you gotta you gotta find a way to get him the ball. So um, that's definitely just that's an every week thing. And people, it's, he's no secret. You know, people have seen what he can do. So it's not gonna sneak up on anybody. But for us, it's just how do we.
put him in um, really good in situations to succeed, to be open, to get touches, all that. You're going to have Tyler in there uh, starting Sunday. As good as Ben was playing, does Tyler bring a level of experience to that position? Yeah, no, he's, uh, I mean, I, I, I love both those guys. Those are two of my favorite. Favorite teammates, honestly. I'm not just saying that because I'm because I'm up here. Those are really are just two of the best two of the best guys. So, um, I, obviously, I hate that for Barch. Hate it for our team. I think he's he was playing great. Um, made a lot of strides. He's had a great off season and just thought he was doing a really good job. So I hate that his season got cut short. But I know, I know what Tyler brings to the table. He's a guy that's always ready. I mean, if that's a guy you want on your team, just as far as the type of person he is, but just how he prepares himself every week. It's like he's a starter, whether that's at center or guard. So. Any of those three spots in the middle, if something happens like what happened to Ben, you know he's ready to step up. And he's he when he's in there, it's it's really seamless. You know, obviously they're two different players, but he's he's done a great job. So and same thing, had to come in the game, wasn't expecting to really play, and had to come in end of I don't know if that was end of the first half or somewhere in the second half, exactly when that happened, but. Um, he came in and played the rest of the game, played well. Offensive coordinator Press Taylor still has high confidence in the quarterback. We can't control what happens outside this building. And so that's never been a part of our concern, our worry. Anything we talk about as a unit kind of stays within the walls of the building, particularly our own meeting room as well as an offense. Um, and the last two weeks, we haven't played to the standard we've set for ourselves as an offense. That's Trevor as well as a lot of other people, coaches included, were included in that. We have not. Um, you know, we have not met the, that standard that we've set for ourselves, and that's why we've come up short as an offense the last two weeks. So we all take responsibility for that. Um, you know, there's, there's throws, there's decisions Trevor wants back, just like there's decisions a lot of guys want back, play calls we want back, play designs we want back, suggestions, all that type of stuff. So, you know, we're all in this thing together. Uh, as a follow-up to that, it doesn't seem to have in any way diminished the belief in the locker room, and I'm sure within the walls of the coaching offices in Trevor becoming, you know, Oh, absolutely. And living not. up to the expectation of where he was taken. Absolutely not. You know, that it's it's you know, that's two games in a seventeen game season that he, he hasn't, like I said, in the offense has not performed the way we expect to perform. Um and, and we're all in it together. So it's not Trevor alone struggled, it's we all struggled as a unit. You know, anytime your defense holds somebody thirteen points and you can't score enough to win, you know, you take a lot of responsibility and ownership of that. And that's what everybody's done. That's been the good 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 part about, you know, struggling right there is there's Everybody's taking accountability for what we did, and we're you know we're working to to be better this week. Yesterday, Travis said that he always feels like he's that one step away, that one missed tackle away from breaking off a big one. Just what have you seen from his uh, progress in the first five weeks? Yeah, we we know his skill set is certainly that way. You know, he's kind of the guy that when you get the ball out in space, everybody kind of stands up for a second to see what's about to happen because we know he's got that ability. Um, you know, and I, and I think it is. It's kind of just one of those things. I think it'll happen for him at some point where he really gets that big explosive. Obviously, a couple the other day where he was able to get on the edge and, and get the ball out in space. Um, but that's just kind of you see his work every single day prepare him for these opportunities. And then he just keeps performing better and better. And that, that's, as a unit, that's what we want to do as well. Fast start to the season. Christian Kirk's kind of slowed down. How do you get him reinvolved in the offense? Yeah, that that's that was completely on us as a coaching staff. You know, we we got to be able to target him. He's one of our better guys, uh, clearly. And you know, as the game went, we weren't really able to force them out of cover two. We didn't make them honor one thing well enough. We weren't good enough in the pass game. weren't efficient enough in the run game to kind of force them to play something different. So they were able to stay in what they want. We we feel good about the things we had. We just didn't execute them. Um, to the best of our ability. So there's, there's ways to incorporate him that we certainly need to do. He's a guy that needs to touch the football 
and have an impact on the game for us. And then on defense, coordinator Mike Caldwell reacted to the Trayvon Walker penalty late in the fourth quarter. I just met him on the field and asked him, like, you know, what happened and told him that, you know, in that situation, that's unacceptable. He can't do it. And, you know, he's a competitor, great kid. I think he didn't hear the whistle and, you know, he got his hand on the quarterback and, you know, he can't throw him down. So, you know, we'll move on from that. He'll learn from it. Mike, that said, is it confusing? to the guys these days based on what's happening around the league as to what they can actually do to the quarterback in a given situation? Well, you have you know. Yeah, well, you have the rules. You just have to abide by them. And they're not changing, but you just have to understand that in that situation, you can't throw them down. You can pull them down, horse collar them in the pocket. But there are certain ways where you have to land on a quarterback or try not to land on a quarterback. And we've gone over that. They understand it. and. It's tough for a defensive player, but that's what, what we got to do, abide by the rules. And I know you can't be in a position of criticizing referees, but it does appear – you say that there's rules, but the rules seem to be open to an interpretation by different referees at different games. Everybody seems to have – some guys have their version, other guys have theirs. Well, that's every rule, you know, depending on what side you're on. If you're – if it's your quarterback, yeah, you want him to, you know, have as much protection as possible. If you're going after the quarterback, you want to go get him. So it's interpretation by the referees, and it's a tough job that they have to do. But we have to understand what we can do, how we can help our team, is just teach them the rules, let them understand what they can and can't do, and go from there. Has that been a conversation you had with the guys this week? Oh, you always talk about – you always try to learn from other teams, and we talk about those situations and – other situations that come up. So that's been talked about. But, you know, from day one, they understand the quarterback is protected in certain ways, and they have to understand that. Press conferences and select locker room sound available on Jaguars.com. In a moment, Colts insider Lara Overton breaks down the Jaguars-Colts matchup this week, plus Bucky Brooks on the play of Trevor Lawrence and how to move forward. And CBS Sports play-by-play announcer Andrew Catalan breaks down the state of the AFC South entering Week 6. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JAGSCARD. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. Check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's free on Apple iTunes or Spotify. This program, of course, every Friday. The Huddle Up Podcast, the Ozone Podcast this week. Give us that five-star rating. We move now to the best of our shows this week, starting with a preview of this week's game on Jags Drive Time Wednesday. Indianapolis Colts reporter Lara Overton joined Ashwin Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton for a preview of Jaguars Colts Part 2. Well, both teams are coming off pretty ugly games, right? You had each team in uh, a bit of a defensive battle, so to speak. Neither really saw the type of offensive production last week in Week 5 that they were aiming for 
the Colts had that gritty victory on Thursday night football in Denver, in which it was a field goal fest. Chase McLaughlin, who had just been signed to the Colts roster, active roster last week, he'd been on the practice squad and, you know, back and forth being elevated prior to that, but goes four for four. And you had to win that game on the foot of Chase McLaughlin and on another last minute stand by your defense. I mean, right now, Stefan Gilmore is looking like the Colts MVP at this point to come up with the game clinching plays that he has in both the Colts victories so far. And that's one of the things that is difficult about playing so many divisional games so early in the season, like you're seeing for the Colts and for the Jags. Looking at the Colts schedule, it's five out of the first seven against the division. You started this season with back-to-back division games on the road. That was an ugly game week two for the Indianapolis Colts down there in Jacksonville. And when I talked to Frank Reich this week, he said, I asked him, what do you see as being things you can draw from in that first meeting? But then also, how are each team? How is each team a little bit different than what you saw? And he said both teams are better than they were in week two because you know with with both situations for the Jags, you have a new head coach, you have a lot of new pieces there, and for the Colts, an entirely new defense, a lot of new pieces with a new quarterback who's getting used to a new offensive line. You had new additions to the defense along with that new defensive scheme under Gus Bradley. So both teams were still trying to figure things out, and I think for the Colts, they're still trying to figure out. A lot of things offensively at this point have got to find the stride, the continuity, the production that you were hoping to see thus far when you have Jonathan Taylor and you have Matt Ryan and the pieces that they do surrounding them. So I think that each team is on a mission to establish themselves, establish themselves and find their identity. As we get into the second quarter of the season, the Colts were able to have a bit of that mini bye week coming off a win in Denver. So it does seem like that this is a team that is recharged and knows the opportunity that you have, not just this week being at home against Jacksonville, but also going on the road next week and facing Tennessee. You really have to own this quarter of this season if the Indianapolis Colts are going to find a way to be in the conversation to lead the division. Jags Drive Time airs Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings on Jaguars.com and the Jags social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Also this week, huddle up with Bucky Brooks. Bucky, Osher, and I talked through the hot topic of the week, quarterback play. I thought last week it was clear in retrospect that the Texans didn't believe that if they allowed the Jaguars to get into the 25 or 30, the red zone area, uh, uh, four or five times, or, th- or three or four times, whatever the number was, they didn't believe that he would be effective enough in that area to get away from them. You know, they probably looked at it and said he might, he might get a touchdown, a couple field goals, 13 points, we'll have a chance. They were only able to get two. So uh, at this point, especially against the Gus Bradley defense or any defense now, until he proves otherwise, that's going to be the approach a lot of teams take. You're going to see a lot more of what the Texans did. And this goes back to his first year, first game against the Texans. They played a lot of zone. They played eyes on the quarterback. Those windows shrink when guys are getting early jumps. And so you heard Doug Peterson talk about when you play a Lovey Smith or a Gus Bradley defense, what they do is not complicated. It's very simple in their approach. But they're banking that their defense, the defenders, will be more disciplined than the quarterback. And as the game goes on, the quarterback will get the itchy trigger finger and he will have some turnovers. We saw that from Trevor Lawrence. He has to really challenge himself to really be disciplined this week because he's going to see the same kind of game plan, a little different coverage, but same same philosophy when it comes to the different approach. 
I have a question for the scout, JP. All right. Uh, or the ex-quarterback. Did you ever play quarterback, Buck? I ever, did not. I was not smart enough to play quarterback. Too much processing. Itchy trigger finger. He threw it too much down the field. <laughs> There's an element when you're playing a cover two as a quarterback that part of your success long-term comes from being able to move defenders with your eyes. If, if the DBs are going to watch you, then you've got to be able to drop back and move guys sort of to where you want them. Uh, in your experience scouting guys, and it, how long does that take? That seems like football 201 and 301 to me, and I know Trevor's not quite there yet. What's the process? How hard is that for a young guy to learn? It takes time. It takes a lot of time for those guys to understand the patience and the yin and yang of playing against a defense like that. One of the reasons why Drew Brees and Tom Brady and even Aaron Rodgers have been so great for so long is because they figured out early that the check down is a weapon that can help you get those teams out of those defenses. Meaning, even though the defensive coordinator says, hey, we want to keep the ball in front, guys, don't worry about it. As long as you keep the ball in front, I'll take it. Well, what happens if you string together a series of those checkdowns and completions and over and over again, at some point, the defenders get tired of seeing the ball caught. The defensive coordinator gets tired of seeing the ball caught underneath because everyone is like, man, they're just nickel and dominant all the way down the field. And they begin to take a chance. And so what Trevor has to be able to do is be patient enough to take the underneath stuff, but be aware enough when the defender is out of position and you got to make that strike when it's there and you got to complete it because if you don't complete it, you may not see it again for another 10 to 12 plays. And so it's that, that yin and yang between the discipline and the aggressiveness when it merits takes a lot of quarterbacks, um, most of their careers to be able to get that done. It's all about the yin and yang, JP. Yeah, feng that's what shui. I, or what, you that's know, what I learned. <laughs> uh, yin yang. Huddle up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesdays at 4 o'clock on the Jaguars social media channels and jaguars.com. Moving now to the Ozone podcast from Friday. Wide receiver Zay Jones sat down with John Osher this week. They got into the state of the team through five weeks, plus a little background on Zay's name. I talked to you a second ago, and you introduced yourself as Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Tell me how Zay got there. Obviously, uh, sound, but did somebody specific uh, give you that name? How did that start? It was just a childhood nickname. Okay. I, my family called me Zay, Zay Zay, my mother, my father. And then as I got to college, more people called me Zay. And um, I guess I gained more notoriety sure. as Zay. And then when it came to my senior season at East Carolina, when they were doing the announcements, um, as far as like player introductions, okay. they had asked me what I wanted to be announced as. And I just said Zay. I thought it was kind of funny or at least right. you know, the fan base knew me as that. But I didn't know it was going to carry on okay. to like ESPN changing it to Zay and then the NFL draft announcing me as Zay. So that that wasn't my intent. It kind of just happened. I got you. Two and three this season right now. Had some ups and downs. We'll start off talking about the Jags a little bit. Um, you're a veteran and have been through seasons, ups and ups and downs. You know it's an up and down league. Yeah. Um, is that your message to teammates this week? That, hey, this thing takes a while. These seasons take a while. They play out. You follow me on that? Yeah, I do. Um, it, it is a very long season. I think the the best thing that we can do is remain poised, remain confident, and trust what we're still doing. Um, you know, you don't you don't panic just because something may not go right one mm-hmm. week. You know, it's it's good to make adjustments and solid adjustments, and kind of 
uh, reload a little bit, recharge, um, bring things back center. But if you can stay balanced and kind of understand, okay, positive, negatives, what you can take from both aspects, place it together, focus on the task at hand, um, you'll be fine. Right. I've seen it. Um, by no means have I you know, gone all the way to the Super Bowl like Doug. So having him as a leader, mm-hmm. understanding what it takes, him reaffirming that, hey, guys, this is what we need to do. Um, it gives you confidence as a player. It gives a team confidence. How hard is that to learn as a young player? And I guess you got to stay off social media to do it. <laughs> but Well, that's, that's incredibly probably, hard yeah. social media is everywhere. Sure. But I think as a young player, I don't think you fully have grasped yet how long the NFL season and what goes all into it right. and, and what it means to be able to get to the playoffs and then having your chance there because you're used to – you know, guys, 12, 13 games. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's still a, not the full season. That's mid-November, right? Exactly. Yeah, right. So th- the health aspect of it, staying healthy, um, staying in your playbook, new game plans, playing teams twice a year, there's a lot that goes in into it. So uh, it's a roller coaster at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's what makes the NFL so exciting for not only the players competing but for fans and audiences is like, it's a any given Sunday type league, and um, it's fun to be a part of. It's fun to compete in, but if you can just stay grounded and play by play, week by week, as a young player, surround yourself with some great veteran leadership. Um, really open your ears to listening, and beginning to find the routine that works for you. Um, I truly believe um, that's how you grasp it from from a younger age. The full Ozone Podcast is available now on the official Jaguars Podcast Network and listen on jaguars.com. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Now a preview of an interview that will air on Countdown to Kickoff Sunday on the Jaguars Radio Network. Our good friend Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports play-by-play announcer, had plenty to discuss in our first conversation of the season. CBS Sports play-by-play announcer Andrew Catalan back with us. The tour of the AFC South is underway for 2022 for you and James Lofton. It's nice to talk with you again, Andrew. What's up? So much AFC South in my blood, JP, and it feels good. It's good to be back with you, and I'm excited for this game. What is the state of the AFC South right now going into week six? What's the what's the power rankings for Andrew Catalan? It's hard to figure. I did see the Titans last week in Washington, found a way to get it done late. Uh, some positive signs as they're on their bye this week, but still, you know, digging out of that 0-2 hole is not easy. They've won three in a row see if they can keep it going. They don't have Traylon Burks. I think that their offense outside of Derrick Henry lacks a playmaker right now. So I think that could be an issue for them. But then you look around this division and, you know, you can make a case for the Jags. The way they looked against the Chargers was phenomenal. Uh, The Colts, it's not been pretty, but they're finding ways to figure it out. You know, I've seen the Texans a bunch too, and obviously the record is what it is, but That defense is pretty good. We saw that against Jacksonville last week. So I think it's a very open division right now. You can make a case, I think, for all four teams at this juncture of the season. Andrew, you mentioned the the Jaguars game in L.A. against the Chargers, probably their best outing of the season uh, overall. And then last week's game, not the best outing on offense. They only scored two field goals. They were 0 for 3 in the red zone. But that's – what can happen with a young team sometimes at a new group together, you're going to have some highs and lows, but you need the temperament of Doug Peterson to 
keep this team managed and, and moving forward. And you know, they could bounce back this week and be just fine and two and one in the, in the division. Yeah, I think that's what makes them dangerous, that if they went to Indianapolis and won by a couple of touchdowns, you know, you'd be impressed, but you, you wouldn't be shocked. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but you're also going to have those lows because they're young, as you point out, and they're not consistent. And, and that's what it takes in this league. You need to find that consistency and you need to find ways to finish. I mean, you look at the Texans. They were in all of their their losses for the most part. They just couldn't get it done at the end of the game. And I think when you have a young team and a young quarterback, that happens at times. So, you know, for this Jacksonville group, you pointed out, you know, the, the Chargers game is one of their best games, not of the season, but the last few years. I know they beat the Bills, and that was that was a great win. But, you know, that was a great performance by them, and they're certainly capable of that. But then you, you look at last week, and, you know, that surprised me that they couldn't, you know, get some momentum going, and that's what it's going to take. Put a couple of wins together and get some momentum to get these young guys feeling good. The exclusive extended conversation runs over the weekend on the official Jaguars podcast network. And finally this week, head coach Doug Peterson answering a fan question and giving his final thoughts ahead of Sunday's Week 6 game on the Doug Peterson Show Thursday night. Coach, let's go to the Microsoft Surface for a social media question. And this is from at AngelBladden1. Do players ever come to you with ideas for game planning? Hmm. Uh, That's a a great question. you know, in time, from time to time, they do. You know, we actually lean on our quarterback a little bit sometimes just to see what he's seeing, you know, early in the week. And if he has any thoughts or ideas that we might be able to, you know, um, you, you know implicate and, and really put into, um, you know, our game plan. So we listen to our guys, um, but at the same time, we, we kind of, you know, I want to say we take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, I, I, we, honestly, though, we do want their involvement, you know, because they're the ones out there playing. They see the game a certain way. We also want them to see the game how how we as coaches see it, um, but but uh, taking uh, taking a play uh, from time to time is not bad, and and uh, you know if we can put it to use, we will. There's some players though that when they talk, coaches listen, and they should. And there's some players that you're just like you know appreciate it. Thank you for the advice. <laughs> That's right. That's okay, true. let's That's get true. back and learn your play. <laughs> exactly right. Stay in your playbook. Exactly. Stay in your lane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, final thought here, Coach. Hey, division game on the road, trying to bounce back. You mentioned it earlier. If a win this week, two and one in the division, three and three overall, everything's still out in front for this team. It, exactly right, JP. And, and you know, and that's the thing. I, from my standpoint as the head coach, is just keeping these goals right in front of our team and, and letting them, letting them know and kind of see exactly where we are. You know, what's in front of us. And uh, I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be a great game. You know, on Sunday, and and really looking forward to. You know this opportunity again—a division, uh, a division opponent, second time around. You know, I definitely think it's going to be a different uh, game. You know, than than the one before. I'd like to have the same outcome, obviously, but I, I think it's going to be different. This team's going to be ready to go, and and uh, I'm excited for this one. The Doug Peterson Show airs each Thursday at five o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network and the Jags social media channels: Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The Jaguars visit the Indianapolis Colts in week six. We're on the air in Jacksonville at 10 a.m. with a public tailgate show Sunday. At noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. Kickoff time set for 1.02 p.m. officially at Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown Indianapolis. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadman. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars broadcast week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.